welcome back and thank you for sticking through those commercial breaks. I am excited to introduce our guest now, Jimmy Song. Jimmy, so I'm gonna, I want to start with the question that I just ended the last segment with because there seems to be no one, no adults in the room that can give us an answer to this. But what is your definition of a recession? A recession? I mean, it's I don't know. There's some technical definition, but I don't I don't really care to think too much about it it's whenever it, it, it's trying to measure how bad people are feeling i think people feel pretty bad already so i don't know interesting and you know the thing is like they it's funny because there there's like a whole like history of this stuff they used to have these things called panics right like in the late 1800s used to be called panics and this would be when you know stock market would go into a bubble and then it would it would fall down and they had like a whole bunch of them and herbert hoover decided that that was like too loaded a term so when in the 30s you know there there was that big stock market crash he called it a depression as a way to avoid the term panic now that depression you know like lasted a really long time and it also got a terrible you know reputation so you know come you know later they started using another word and it's now recession so i have a feeling that there's they're gonna play these word games again and come up with some, something other than recession to describe you know what's happening but and they'll put some technical definition behind it and just say we're not going to use the word recession or we're going to define it away and uh, use some other word that will last some amount of time until at some point people associate bad things with that word. And then, you know, I, I think that's what's going to happen. I, I actually appreciate that context because it helps us, I think, better understand that this playbook of moving the goalpost, changing the definition and avoiding the word is, is actually something we've literally done 90 years ago. So I appreciate that context. While I may be in a panic and fury and give a shit about what goes on in the macro environment, what's been taking up your time? What is what is taking up your energy and what are you focused on? Uh, what's taking my energy? I just had a really long conversation with a with an altcoin podcast and I just basically yelled at her for like an hour. So I'm, I'm, I still have a little bit of that energy of like, just righteous indignation at like all, all things all quite basically. And it's like, but what about the metaverse? Don't we want to get away from Facebook? I'm like, no, because I, I, I basically what you're doing isn't getting away from Facebook. It's just giving it to another company. And actually, they don't have to deliver anything. So it's it's nothing like what you think it is. It's just like, what? Like, yeah, I think she she realized she had a lot more homework to do. So it, it was an interesting conversation. So that you know, I had that call like right before here. I have another call after and a call after. So it's all afternoon is Jimmy in front of the screen <laughs> over and over again. I, I don't want to upset you, but I, I'm genuinely curious. Like, obviously, you're not a fan of the metaverse, but what what was something beyond her metaverse comments that was just like so absurd that you hear not well, just I, from her, but other altcoiners? Yeah, it's it's this huge confusion around decentralization. She was like saying stuff like, 
is it's not decentralized because you know some people own a lot of it i'm like that comes like straight from socialism what makes you think that you like you know it should be distributed equally or something like that of course people are going to go into it, it uh, your, the amount that you have reflects both your wealth and your conviction in this asset so it's there there's a lot of like sort of hidden assumptions in questions like that which you have to sort of unpack and it, it was kind of fun trying to do that because ultimately i think it comes from like a place of marx or socialism or communism or whatever thinking that you know it's not fair because these people got in early no they got they got in early because they were convicted in it there's lots of people that didn't you know that have known about bitcoin since 2011 still don't own any like you know peter schiff and other people so it's you know thinking about just sort of like how to frame things like the the message that i keep coming back to is that you know there's no need for a token in any of these projects you could just use bitcoin and do the project that way but they keep adding tokens for the ostensible purposes of funding this project but really ends up being just like a you know suck money in from retail and that's that's the unfortunate reality that we live in I mean, you've been around in this space and in this world much longer than I have. And one of the statements I, I continue to hear is like these bad ideas are not going to stop popping up. And it's it's more on us to sort of us being Bitcoiners to really try to not destroy is a little too aggressive, but you know, really try to beat up and and negate some of the bullshit claims that these bad ideas, these altcoins and shitcoins that pop up continue to share. But ultimately, like they they may never go away. So what is actually the solution here? Because at a certain point, we can't just keep driving ourselves crazy. Some people are just going to get scammed. Some people want the easy solution. You talk to most people who invest more heavily in altcoins than Bitcoin, and you start to understand their values are rooted around I want to get rich. And it's not an understanding of what actually money is. It's just this idea of, well, this guy got rich investing in some crypto. And so I'm going to do this. Where do you think the fault is in in the hands of the people who make these things or the fault is in the people who are going out and trying to buy these shit coins? Yeah, I mean, it's a little both, but I, I would place much more blame on the people creating these tokens and pretending that they're something that they're not. And it's, it's you know, they're, they're like rent seekers to the nth degree because they don't create anything and they collect lots of money. And, you know, they're, they're being their own central bank and getting away with it, which is honestly rather sad. But the, this is kind of what's been happening in this space for quite a quite a while. And you know, like what, what can we do? And that, that's, that's a really good question because, you know, the argument keeps being made to me that really you should be a lot nicer and, you know, you're turning off a lot of people with your attitude and stuff like that. And it's like, well, here, here's what's wrong with the frame that you're coming from, because essentially what you're saying is if I were nicer, that if I somehow, you know, acted in a way that, you know, 
would make you feel more comfortable with Bitcoin, not because you verified it yourself, but because of my personality, then you're going about like financial investment all wrong. I don't want those people in Bitcoin, the people that come in just because I'm nice, because there are plenty of people that will be nice. In fact, there's lots of them right now. They, they would love to take your money by being nice to you and take, you know, scam you out of your, uh, uh, of whatever wealth you have. Mashinsky. And that, that's the set. Yeah. Yeah. And that this, this is, this is something that like, like their, their frame of reference is basically everything is political. And this, this is the article that I'm working on this week, which is that, you know, when you have fiat money, literally everything becomes po political and everyone thinks of everything in a political way. So what, what, what we're being told essentially is that you need more support for your coin. You need more people backing it. And what you really need to do is win over everybody that's out there as if it's like a political vote or something like that. And the thing that I'm trying to convey is that that's not how the laws of economics work. It's not, it's tempting to think that it's just political and you know, whoever's in charge gets to make the rules and that's it. Uh, but talk to any country that's experiencing hyperinflation, that, that's not how things work. There, people are going to find alternatives because there are certain rules in economics, laws of economics that are as hard as nails. They're, they're like the laws of physics. You know, um, people prefer to store value in things that won't degrade, right? And they'll, they prefer the most liquid asset rather than a less liquid one if, if they're they're the some the same price and utility so i mean like there, there are things like that which i don't think people understand they think money is just political and that's it and what you need are you know is a lot of support and you know my my thing is that that's not money at all what what you want to do is make the argument that this is good money and then let them go do whatever they want because if they're won over because of a political program, then they're just as likely to abandon you whenever the political winds change. And those are not the people that you want. And you know that that, but that's how it works in politics, right? Where you have to, you know, get the support of everybody. And you know that's what gets you to, especially in a democracy where you know majority rules or whatever. And and this is this is a hard thing to sort of get people to really believe because they they don't want to believe it. They want to believe that you know the the people in power have all of that control and that they're comforted in to some degree that okay, well if the Fed does this or if the chairman does this or the how the treasury secretary does this, then we'll be okay. And that it's really just the vote for prosperity or or poverty and it's really you know the fault of the opposition that's that's not how it is we've been spending way too much money way more than we have we've destroyed the manufacturing base and everything else mostly because of fiat money not because of a particular party or anything and we've spent way too much on war and all, all this other stuff so you know the the debt that we have and the um sort of situation we find ourselves in doesn't lend itself to just sort of like a political solution. That's not, the, that's not the problem that we have. 
And th this is something that's difficult for a lot of people to hear because what they want to hear is, hey, you vote for me and everything will be okay. Or you vote for, you know, like they think like buying Bitcoin is like a vote for Bitcoin. And, you know, if enough people get on board with Bitcoin, then everything will be okay. I mean, things will be much better under a Bitcoin standard, but it doesn't, it's, it's not a political thing. It's not about getting enough people in so that we we suddenly take over the world or whatever that that's inevitable if you studied the laws of economics unless something like 10x better comes along or something uh, like that that's that's something people have a difficult time understanding it's, it'd be like falling from a plane and thinking that by voting to not die when you fall like that it, or having a majority vote that you not die when you fall that somehow that would save you that's that's not how things work laws of physics just are a certain way the laws of economics are a certain way you don't need to like get a political majority it's in fact we're we're a tiny minority right now and we're we're still able to make lots of waves and you know affect stuff and that that's that's really the big thing that we have to get people to see or i mean the the faster people see that the better it'll be so let's maybe unpack this a little bit because i think there's this notion and we had this conversation with ck and i know that he's going around banging this drum a lot that most bitcoiners are just not and not bullish enough yeah. and there's like this almost instinctive hedge and, and like i'll be honest with you i i prefer to be paid in fiat i convert my fiat to bitcoin based on sort of how i want to live my life and i know that that's like jimmy you i might have like lost 10 points in your in your mind right now and you may never respect me again but that's just the god's honest truth for, from my perspective that's not the case for everyone uh, different people have sort of different systems that they have created but you know, that idea that I have even any fiat whatsoever, that is me being bearish. Where, what is sort of your stance on this? How, how much is over exuberance? Like in a conversation I recently had with American HODL, this idea that, you know, plebs think that, oh, if I get my half a Bitcoin, then like I'm gonna have my castle in Europe and my beachfront property. Like what is, what is over exuberance to the point of unrealistic? unrealistic versus what is actually like within the realm of possibility of how far reaching and how much this can encompass and grow into. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't really have an answer for that. I, I, cause like, this is sort of like society level change. Who, who knows what, you know, how, how things will shake out. What we do know is fixed supply, increasing demand. So you know, what will you be able to buy at that point? Like, I, I don't know. That's like one variable we don't know. We also don't know what you're going to want at that point, right? Like, this is something that we talk about a lot is how Bitcoin changes you. Like, you start wanting different things. You might have gotten in because you wanted like a Lambo or something. But, you know, eventually you realize, you know what? I don't I don't really want a Lambo. <laughs> like, you, your low time preference behavior sort of mindset, like changes what you want too. So, you know, how much is enough? I don't know. They're, they're like two variables that are sort of like changing at the same time. And 
you know, where do they meet, right? Like what, what's possible for you to get with, with Bitcoin is, or what, you know, what's going to make you happy or whatever. Like that's, that's really the question. And I think what will make us happy as we go into a lower time preference mindset will be, will require less sort of immediate, immediate gratification. Uh, but at the same time, like the prices of everything will fall in terms of Bitcoin. And, and, you know, they're, they're kind of related because, you know, the more Bitcoiners there are, and, you know, especially for those of us that have been in it for a while, yeah, you're, you're not impulsively spending anymore, right? Like, or, you know, if you do, it's like for a small amount, you're not like going out and getting a new car because you're, you know, feeling depressed or something like that's. That's not what you tend to do if once once you've been in Bitcoin for a while. So, you know, enough of that, and you know, prices start to lower for that reason too. So, it's it's I I don't know what's realistic, and I don't know what will what will satisfy you either. But both those things are sort of in flux. That's fair. I do think there is a degree in which we have to take ownership over what it is we want. But at the same time, I think we have been so heavily influenced by our culture and by our decisions that like most people have just lost, lost that line of who it is they actually are. What are the things they value and need versus what are the things that you watch TV and you're like, well, that looks dope. I want that. Mind you, I watched Johnny Tsunami when I'm, when I was what, four years old. And since then snowboarding has been my fucking identity. I stand by it and I love it. I want to get a sense from you, Jimmy, of like we've started to see some of these quote unquote heroes in the Bitcoin space really fall. Just today now you have Pomp coming out and saying that his better business show is is no more. I'm curious if you think that there's still more of this sort of I'm going to phrase this very carefully. Is there going to be more capitulation of these quote unquote Bitcoin heroes before we see a net, a new run up? Or do you think we've started to finish the purge? That's a good question. But I, I will say though, that in bear markets, it's, it's very hard to be just a pure influencer, which unfortunately a lot of these people are like the the thing that you need to do as a quote unquote influencer is you know your your expertise is in marketing right like that's that's how you make your money and uh, and the thing is there it's it's always going to be more lucrative to market in the altcoin sphere than in bitcoin because there's no pre-mined tokens or anything like that for you to go and grab and you know you're you're living a lot more honestly i think in bitcoin and a lot more fraudulently in altcoins, but let's face it, you're going to make more money doing it in altcoins. That seems to be what's happening with a lot of these influencers where, you know, it's, it's getting painful. They've, they've sort of established the cred in Bitcoin. Uh, but then as, as things are getting worse, they're finding that like, you know, the Bitcoin sponsors aren't really there or, they're starting to cut back. So they're, they're getting increasingly desperate because they've gotten used to a certain amount of income and stuff. And, you know, this is this is where you start to fall and start going altcoin or whatever. Now, I mean, the, the, 
the people that have quote unquote fallen, I think, uh, have always uh, had a little bit of that altcoin streak the entire time. And, you know, there, there's a reason I think I remember talking to Tone Vase a while back and he, he got into the space in 2013 and he was like, basically, if you are non-technical and a Bitcoin, you know, and like a Bitcoin influencer in 2013, he was like, every single one of them went to an altcoin, every single one, like uh, among the non-technical people. And he, at the time he said, well, Trace Mayer was the one exception. And of course we know what happened to Trace. So like there's something about like having marketing as your expertise, which doesn't lend itself to staying, you know, a Bitcoin maximalist for that long because it's it's just too easy to, you know, be tempted by something else. And, you, you know, this honestly is what happened to Roger Ver, thinking that you're the reason for a lot of Bitcoin success and that you deserve more. You get into sort of maybe a, an entitlement mindset of thinking, well, I have all these followers and I do all this stuff and you know, I should get paid more for what I do. And, you know, honestly, that's, that's been the story of a lot of these people. They, they grow a following in Bitcoin and then they'll go do an altcoin and then they'll make a you know, bunch of money defrauding people. I mean, I, I don't, necessarily I, I don't necessarily think that that that's gonna be uh you know the model going forward because i think people are starting to wise up but but you know i i kind of get what's happening it's uh, the, all the incentives are off because of all these uh all coins that continue through you know have yeah i mean they they have a lot of money in their treasury and they're able to use it if you if you'll entertain me, we pulled up on the screen a, a comment by Yellow where he, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but did you and Tone just go at it with Roger Ver? And like, mm -hmm. can you? Well, so I, I, I was on the, yeah, I, I mean, th this, that was like the weirdest conference I went to in my life, but it was a, it was a Mediterranean cruise that left from Barcelona and you know i i was uh, i was asked to speak at it. i'm like oh cruise maybe and they're like yeah these other people are coming i'm like okay well you know if you if you want some ratings or whatever or something that people talk about put me and roger on stage and we'll have a debate they were like oh great idea and he they got roger Ver to agree and it was gonna be me and him and all that and and i wanted just like a lincoln douglas debate you know, like just, okay, make your points and then go and then make your point. And of course, Roger didn't prepare anything. <laughs> I, I told him about all this. I said it multiple times and I, I prepared like a six page dossier of, of all the points I was going to make. I, I, I posted it on Medium shortly after. He, he just didn't, he didn't prepare anything. So he, he basically didn't say much other than, I don't know, just random like diatribes that didn't make any sense. Um, so, I mean, towards the end, it, it just became sort of like evident he wasn't going to say anything or act make actual arguments. He was just going to go on a diatribe. So I, I left and Tone took over and they, they, they did some more. It made the, I think the Daily Mail ended up writing about it. And, you know, there there's like multiple uh, videos of that on YouTube. So 
and I published exactly what I said and what I prepared on Medium. So it's not like any, there's anything there to hide. But yeah, that that was that was a really weird conference. I also met John McAfee at that time on that cruise. There, it was like such a strange cruise because nobody nobody knew like who's Coins Bank that's putting this on. It's like some Russian outfit or something. It's like and. Did anyone actually pay to come on the cruise? Cause it, it was like so many people that got on for free. I'm like, what, what's going on? And of course there were, there were the Ukrainian models that, that were there, which was very weird because like you go to a Bitcoin conference, you, you don't see that many women period. Right. And on this one, there were like there was like clearly like thirty women that were very attractive that were wearing kind of skimpy outfits, and being a cruise, there were a bunch of people that brought their wives and girlfriends, and they were like pissed off that who are these women, and they didn't even speak English, and it was it was just very strange. And somebody told me they saw the. These women just like board the cruise like like all together at once, like right before it left. So it it was really sketchy. Yeah. And that that's that that was the cruise. I, I gotta say though that that was good for me because I didn't want to have anything to do with what was going on. That was just it was the the place was just sort of like very hedonistic, you know, with the kind of people that were on there. So I was like, you know, I, I, I'm not into any of this stuff. I, I'm a family man. I have a wife and kids. I'm just going to stay in my room and eat steak, you know, for dinner. That's, that's it. So what I did was I locked, locked myself in the room, ordered coffee and tea every like hour or so. And I sat there and wrote programming Bitcoin. I, I think I did like, five chapters in those three days where I didn't go to anything. I just sat there and wrote and, you know, like the only thing that I showed off for was what I was contractually obligated to do, which was the debate with Roger Ver did that. And that was it. Yeah. So that's my story. I, I just found the daily mail article, which I posted in the comments. <laughs> I was, while you were telling the story, I found like pictures and, and the video as well. And just seeing the way this stage is in front of the fucking pool and you trying to tell Roger, like, sit down. Like, what are you doing? Sit down. This is yeah. honestly, I know what I'm watching. That is, oh my God, yellow, you are disgusting. But also like, I think it's beautiful that, you know, in a shitty situation, like you gave, you put in the work and you gave the universe programming Bitcoin, which has been instrumental in countless people's journey into this space and learning how to further develop and build off of it. Um, to, to come back full circle now, I want to know, and like maybe let's just do a little bit of a lightning round here. Some of these questions I know the answers to, so just entertain me, please. I want to do... I'm going to throw maybe a word or a phrase out at you and tell me if it belongs or should be incorporated into Bitcoin in any way. And, and the easy one to start with is NFTs. Do, do they have a place no. in Bitcoin? No. No, no. I, I mean, it's weird because like people like bring up NFTs with me as if there's something brand new. And I'm like, 
Dude, I coded this in 2013. We had it on Bitcoin in 2013. It's it's a color coin. I I I was a color coins developer. I made this, and I I knew then that it was like, you know, it could be just the digital thing, in which case it's completely useless, or it can represent something in the real world, in which case you run into the oracle problem. So, either way, it doesn't work. And I concluded that way back when. But people make it out to be, oh, you know, it's this new innovation, blah, blah, blah. And didn't it start in Bitcoin? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was one of the people that made it. It's, and I came to the conclusion that it's really stupid. So yet, you know, that's that's something that people think is something really cool and innovative. It's It boggles the mind how much of a reality distortion field VCs and marketers are able to put, pull over the public. What's up, guys? It's Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. I just want to let you know that tickets for Bitcoin Amsterdam are on sale now. The largest Bitcoin conference in Europe will take place from October 12th to 14th. More details can be found at b.tc forward slash conference forward slash Amsterdam. Use promo code BMLive to get 10% off of your Bitcoin Amsterdam tickets today. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store online and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today. Anytime anyone tries to show me their NFT, I try to take a screenshot of it. (laughs) I've gotten punched a couple of times and honestly, I just laugh. The next one for you are, you know, an alt altcoin built on top of Bitcoin. Is that anything that we need, do you think? No. I mean, what what are you using it for? Like the the question always is like when somebody describes to me a project as, hey, like, you know, we we're gonna do this. I'm like, great, okay. Why do you need a token? Why aren't you using, you know, dollars or Bitcoin? Why 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 do you need the token? Oh, it's the fund that's no, 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 no. That that's that's a different issue. If you're if you're expecting people to give you a donation, like on, on it, you're you're basically trying to print your own money. That that's a whole separate thing. Then, like, and I've never gotten a satisfactory answer for any of that. Never ends up being anything. So, yeah, I I don't I don't see a reason for altcoins on Bitcoin or elsewhere. Other than altcoin. I'm curious your thoughts on a stable coin built on top of Bitcoin. So I, I wrote a tweet a while back. I think stable coins are poorly implemented Xiaomi and eCash. So if you know what Xiaomi and eCash is, this is what Fediment is like sort of taking advantage of. This is uh, David Chong came up with this, I think in like 1981 or something like that, which is which actually wasn't too far away from like the discovery of asymmetric cryptography. Diffie-Hellman, I think, wrote their paper in like 1976 or 70. I forget, in the, in, in the mid-70s somewhere. And, you know, like six, seven years later, he came up with this uh, eCash concept. And, and that's, you know, basically you have a central entity, but you have privacy for the customer. So instead of you know, checks going all over the place and the bank knows exactly where you spent the money and who spent what or whatever. Instead of having that log stay with the bank, instead you get essentially e-cash and you can spend it or whatever. And you still have to trust the central entity, 
but ultimately you you get privacy around it and that's how i see stable coins or at least back stable coins algorithm algorithmic stable coins are a complete like disaster and we we saw what happened with luna for example the but chalmi and ecash is is a useful concept and you get all of these pri privacy properties and so on i think that's ultimately what a back stable coin is it's it's chalmi and ecash except you're unnecessarily putting it into a bitcoin blockchain or some other blockchain which you know i get I, it's sort of like a dino thing but they they want to be able to say that it's quote unquote decentralized but you you have a an issuer of the token you you have somebody that's in control of or, or whatever really what they should be doing is issuing Xiaomi and eCash and then and then go from there but probably from a regulatory perspective it's more advantageous to call it like a um you know stable coin with a blockchain or something like that but it's just a poorly implemented eCash i think eCash would be way better because you get way more privacy and there's no blockchain necessary you just you you just have a history of receipts for a particular coin or the eCash that you have and then you you can redeem it for the actual dollars i mean that's how it should work and really what that's what tether and usdc and you know all these other back dollar instruments are is you you have a central issuer and you know people are trading it and then like somebody gets to redeem or whatever tell me eCash that i mean and it's it's superior because of all of the privacy properties that you get out of it it's it's crazy to me that this the stable coin thing is being touted as like you know something that needs to happen on a blockchain or on you know on top of some blockchain network it doesn't it, it absolutely does not i want to build off of that before we go on to the next one but from the sounds of it it almost feels like you would agree that allowing some sort of a bitcoin standard where you could issue money on top of bitcoin that was potentially redeemable if if not for whatever token you want to issue on top of Bitcoin or for the Bitcoin itself, but at least there's this accountability because unlike in our current banking systems where a bank can just tell you they got a million dollars, wink, wink, when like they may only have 100K in the vaults, they can't really do that with Bitcoin. The UTXO, in theory, should be able to be traced back to them and they would be able to, we would be able to see like, hey, you're issuing more than you actually have this doesn't work. Do you think something like that where the global banking systems or countries, if we still have those in this next iteration of society, where to say, hey, we hold X number of Bitcoin and we are going to issue Y number of our currency on top of it that is pegged and backed by Bitcoin. Is that something that is necessary, will happen? What are your thoughts on that type of a scenario? You know I don't, I don't really see, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting question because I, I think what you're really asking is about scalability and how much centralized entities will be relied on for that sort of thing. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I think you get to be your own bank with Bitcoin and that's a major feature, but who knows how the market will. Let me rephrase it. it. Rather than like, will this happen? Is this a necessary thing? Would it be necessary to have that invention created on top? Mm, 
I mean, you you already have proof of reserves and things like that. So that that already exists. And, you know, I think Kraken shows that every once in a while. I, I know these old exchange coin floor did that on a regular basis. So, yeah, I mean, it's it already exists and it already kind of happens. But, you know, I don't know if they're, these uh, exchanges will necessarily implement them. I think most of them don't because... They like the privacy of not letting the public markets know how much Bitcoin they have and so on. So, yeah. Not financial advice, but get your Bitcoin off of exchanges. May or may not be a Bitcoin bank run one day. The next one I had for you was side chains. How necessary is this in the Bitcoin system? I don't think it's necessary, but, you know, I mean... Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessary. And we haven't really found a way to do it in a decentralized way. That's kind of the problem. We, you know, if it was actually decentralized, then then I think we would work, it, 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 there would be some value, especially like, because you don't have the, you're, you're not writing to the main chain, but the decentralization is actually kind of a critical thing otherwise if it's not decentralized then why why do you need a sidechain just just you know be the central entity or whatever so it's kind of a a weird mixture if you if you can do sidechains with you know with decentralization then then maybe that would work but if you can't then i am not really sure i see the point but regardless i i don't know if it's necessary I'm only saying this, and I swear to fucking God, Yellow, if you're teeing me up to look like an asshole, I will find you. What about Web3 apps that don't need a token? Yeah, it's called Web5, right? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, there's already sort of like a decentralized ecosystem kind of brewing on top of Lightning. And you don't need a token. I think I think they're showing that, and that this is actually how you make like a decentralized thing. You know, BitTorrent I think was like a, a an early you know example of how to do that on the at at the digital level in the digital sphere. But yeah, I mean, I I think we'll see more of it. But you know, whether there's enough of an appetite to make it like a sustainable business, I don't know. That's 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 an open question. All right. What is your opinion on Paleo's Keat? Uh, you mean Paolo? Paolo. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why. I, uh, I haven't it. looked into it too much. I, I did talk to him about it, and he told me it's really cool, and you can you can do like video calls over a decentralized in sort of like a decentralized way, so directly peer to peer, which I think would be good. Yeah. Hard hard to hard to say because I, I haven't played with it or anything yet. Is there anything that you're actually excited about keeping an eye on as it's being developed? You brought up Udi, they had Fediments come out recently. Is there any sort of development layer two or above that you're like, this is something people should be paying more attention to, but they're not? I think Obi will be very upset at you. Fuck, that you I, fuck I'm an asshole. I'm such an asshole. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> My bad. I'm wrong, so sorry. Wrong people and wrong, wrong. One letter makes a big vowels, difference. Vowels, 
Well, it's two. Well, it's two. U D I versus O B I. So yeah. It's one letter. Two. O oh, D. O versus wow, U, I'm, and then B versus B. I'm gonna like, go just, just dig, wrong, dig my ditch down there. So I'm. Like, I mean, Fediment is interesting, and I, I think I'll have to study it a little more. And I, I did just record a podcast with them, which I'll probably go out next week. So there's that. Yeah, I, I, I would say that. Uh, you know, a lot of the developments are around some of the uh, apps that are build, being built on top of Lightning. For me, that's like what L3 is, right? Layer, the layer three stuff. And, you know, I, I'd like to see more of that happen and we'll, we'll see where it goes. Is there anything that you want to tell the creators of to stop making? And you are well within your right to just spend this time telling Vitalik to go jump in the same ditch that I'm going to jump into once we finish this stream. I mean, a lot of uh, all, the entire altcoin space and a lot of, you know, central banks and their money printing, I would like for them to all stop. But I mean, they're not going to because the system set up in a way to benefit them hugely at the expense of everybody else. It's going to take a lot more moral outrage from the right people in order to stop them. Jimmy, before we wrap up here, do you want to tease a little bit of what you're working on next? What we should be keeping an eye on? Well, it's a, it's a, it's an article on politics and how everything's become political. I kind of mentioned it a little bit before, and yeah, everything has become political, and every everything is looked at through a political sphere, as if you can sort of change reality by voting for it, and it's kind of gone like to a degree that I don't think any of us could have imagined even 20 years ago. But yeah, I mean, people are saying, you know, all of X is a construct and Y is a construct or whatever. And that's, that's just causing people to live in more fantasy and not reality. And, you know, and we get craziness like we've had recently. So that that's what I'm going to write about. I, I've started putting together some ideas, but I haven't finished the draft yet. So I have to put it in future tense what i'm actually going to do so you hear that be rizzo the article's coming just be patient without giving away anything in the article like what's just what was the one top one topic that you're like this is so stupid that it's now become a political issue and i'm also a little hurt that what you're implying is that my vote doesn't matter your vote doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. Since when? No, I mean, it matters in a block. Once once you have like 10,000 people or something like that, you, you can affect some stuff, especially if you live close to each other and are in the same voting district. Of course, it's going to matter. But, but you know, like any particular individual, it's it's your your vote matters only to the degree that you can influence other people to vote in the same direction. So, yeah, hard to say, you know, what what politically sort of like motivated me but i mean i i would say like the last couple of years just all the different things that have been going on and just studying this stuff noticing just how political everything is like you know your typical job is largely political and we make fun of you know the soviet union for you know the political agent or something like every everything had to have like a political guy right like even like like a battalion of soldiers you had like a political officer with everything right like they in a sense like our current 
situation is everyone's like both a political officer and like an employee at the same time. You're, you're, you're not really ever allowed to get away from politics, at least in a normal corporate job. And that's the case in almost every community and stuff. It's, it's this feeling that if, if you get a majority, you can do anything you want, including, you know, subvert the laws of the universe, which is impossible, but that's, that's how people are thinking that majority is God and that's it. Um, so yeah, there, there's something about that, that I, I really want to dig into and explore and write about. Well, people hate how much I actually enjoy just the drama that is the U S political system. So I cannot wait for that. Uh, I have a weird thing that just came across my Twitter feed that I kind of want to just share with you. Um, Ethereum breaking news that Ethereum developers have announced a merge date for the Gorley testnet August 6th through the 12th. This is the last step before the merge. I mean, this feels irrelevant is, let me put it like this. What is what are the odds that you would put on A, the Ethereum merge even happening, and B, how relevant is this? Is this just more spin by the Ethereum contingency to make it seem like they're moving things forward? I have no idea. Maybe maybe they'll actually release something, and I'm sure they'll run in. I mean, it's, it's like any software engineering project. You're going to have to test stuff and find things that break and blah, blah, blah. The thing is their project's so complicated. I mean, I, I imagine the testing phase is going to take way longer than they probably think, but you know, I, whatever, whatever the case, once they do switch to proof of stake, if they ever switch to proof of stake, then I think it'll be re relevant for Bitcoin in that the proof of stake stuff versus proof of work that's going to take on another, you know, level of discord or like loudness and marketing and stuff like that. And uh, we're probably going to get attacked at, at the regulator level that proof of work is wasting electricity or whatever. And yeah, I, I, I fully expect that to become a narrative in the next you know, after they do that, because the, this is what they've been wanting to do. And this is something that Vitalik's been talking about from the very beginning. And yeah, I, I can't wait for that fight. I, I, I expect that fight to actually really separate the two. And because at that point, like all coins have been trying to ride Bitcoin's coattails forever. And, and with something like this, I think it, it puts a clear separation and maybe puts a lot more daylight between Bitcoin and altcoins. And if that happens, then great. I think I think Bitcoin, you know, will take on this this enemy and and this is what's in the history of Bitcoin. Whenever Bitcoin has vanquished an enemy, it tends to go up in price by a significant amount. So that's that's what I would expect. I look forward to meeting you on the battlefield when we finally get to destroy all of the bullshit ETH FUD that somehow impacts Bitcoin in any way. Jimmy, where can people stay up to date with what you're doing? Where can people find your interview with OB? Where can people know what you're cooking up next? 
Yeah, pay attention to my Twitter at Jimmy Song and my newsletter, jimmysong.substack.com. Between those two things, I, I announce everything. My interview with Obi will come out next Thursday, probably. And yeah, the the one that I released today was with Anna Chakovich, who's a part of the Anti-Corruption Foundation. She works with Alexei Navalny, the main opposition leader who's in prison right now in Russia. So that was in itself interesting. But yeah, the OB one with uh, with Fetterman, that's coming out next week. And, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff. So yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for joining us. Be sure to give him a follow. Be sure you follow myself, P, Chris, and the video Bitcoin Twitter account. Please make sure you also unfollow CK Snark for the sake of our fun little internal bet. I'm going to just wrap here. Have a good one. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. We're going back to Miami for Bitcoin 2023. Lock in your tickets before prices go up. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets today.